What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to a podcast about New York sports. Sam and Matt back at it here again. We have a lot to cover today. A huge NFL wildcard slate ahead of us this weekend. Yankees make a big splash. Maybe it could be their very last. Bunch of guys reach an agreement uh, pre-arbitration. Some do, some don't. We'll talk about that. And honestly, we're just excited that we we have playoff football ahead of us. So, uh, Matt, with all that considered, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Doing well. I'm extra excited to get into the football, but we're going to put that on the back burner for a second now because there's a there's a Yankees made a big splash yesterday and something that uh, seemed to be very controversial uh, kind of leading up to it. Uh, you can say that Marcus Stroman is a controversial baseball player. Is that fair to say? Uh, the Yankees give him two years, 38 million. And Matt, uh, I'll just ask you for the Yankees, what what was your first thoughts on when you got, saw that news? Well, my first thought is that, you know, I do like the signing. So just from a, a baseball standpoint, I think Marcus Stroman sort of, you know, somewhere in the middle back end of that rotation is a pitcher who pitches to contact, um, a filthy sinker, and he, and he pitches to ground ball. So in that stadium, uh, a pitcher who's going to keep the ball inside the ballpark, I think is a good thing. He was outstanding to watch uh, play defense. That was a lot of fun. And when you look back at his last New York tenure with the Mets, I think a lot of the good gets lost in it because Stroman is a pitcher that when things are going great, you're going to love him. You know, his last year with the Mets in 2021, he was an all-star. He pitched to almost a three ERA flat. So there was times when he was sensational on the mound. And I feel like people do forget that uh, with the Mets, but he is a guy where, you know, if things take a turn and you hope they won't with the way this uh, Yankee roster has been constructed this year, but when things take a turn for the worst, you know, he, he hears a little too much online. He hears a little too much reporters. He hears a little too much of the fans in the stands. And, you know, he, he's, he's no stranger to forcing himself out of a marriage or just completely ruining one. So I think that's something you have to worry about with Stroman. It always has been, um, you know, the social media stuff is what really comes to mind with him. Just the constant barbing with people back and forth. And I think he leads the league in blocked users. Um, you know, I, I think a little bit of thin skin. Uh, but on the oh, other yeah, hand, I, I do think he, he's it's a good signing. And I, I do think that, you know, if things are going well, it, it's there's really nothing you can complain about. Uh, this was definitely a pivot off of Blake Snell. Can't really be mad at the Yankees. They've, you know, they they've certainly done their due uh, this offseason. But yeah, all in all, I would say that I would, I would say it's a good signing. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of a lot of what you just said. Very funny that you you said he's the uh, he leads the league in block Twitter users. I mean, he must uh, like by a lot too. Oh, you and I probably know ten people each that he's blocked on Twitter, well, I'm, and I'm that's kind of nuts. You are. Oh, that's that's right. You are yeah. one of them. Proudly. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you say. And then at the end of the day, look, I, I think there's there's a couple things, couple ways you could look at this, right? So the Yankees, obviously, they're they're starting pitching after getting Juan Soto and addressing the offense. Their starting pitching kind of came into the forefront of their, uh, I guess, agenda this offseason. And if you're going to tell me that you know Carlos Rodon can have a, a, a bounce back year, Nestor can. Uh, I guess, continue to be very good. And then Garrett Cole can continue to be Garrett Cole. I'm cool with Marcus Stroman being my four going into the year with Clark Schmidt presumably being the five. And look, I don't think that the Yankees are necessarily, you know, hanging up all the phones, talking to other teams about, you know, a Blake Snell, a Dylan Cease, a Shane Bieber. I think, I just think the starting pitching market right now is, is kind of at almost like a standstill with free agents, with trades. I think people are asking for way too much and eventually the, the price will come down for these guys. So I don't, a lot of people seem to be marking the Yankees as dead here uh, or dead in terms of like, you know, not doing anything else uh, for the rest of the off season or any sort of big splashes. I'm not necessarily there. I get, I get the money is a little bit of an issue. We already gave up a lot of prospects for the Soto deal kind of, uh, you know, tight there in terms of, in terms of how many prospects you can give up. But, I think all things considered, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees make a, you know, a, a few weeks before the season type of deal or for a guy that, you know, uh, like, like I said, like a Dylan Cease, like a Bieber. So definitely will be interesting to see what the Yankees or how the Yankees finish out the offseason. Um, but yeah, I think you, you hit it right on the head where you said 
you know, if, if things are good, he'll be good. And if things are not, he, he could be a headache. And that's a lot of guys. And he, I think he falls under that umbrella. And the best way to just combat that is just be good. Not only just for Marcus Stroman, but for the Yankees as a whole, right? I mean, if Marcus Stroman has a bad outing where he's, you know, he's given up five runs in five innings, but the Yankees win the game, you know, 10 to five with this amazing offense that they're supposed to have, you're not going to get the the kind of games that where on the flip side of that, he gives up five runs, the offense only scores one, and then everything seems to fall on Marcus Stroman. So yeah, or, or on the flip side of that, Marcus Stroman gives up one or two and the Mets can't muster up a run. Yeah, or they exactly they, you know, they punch one out in the ninth inning. Yeah. That which is the you know firsthand how the Mets have done that year in and year out, where they just can't there's just certain seems to be certain stretches and certain starting pitchers that they just cannot support offensively. So hopefully that changes and and I think there's definitely a mental side to this and in, in pitching with a team like the Yankees, who, who again projected to have a, a great offense, um, I think there's definitely a, a mental side to this that that I think will benefit Stroman as well. Uh, you can believe what you want, where you know he's been a Met fan in the past. Now he's all of a sudden a Yankee fan. He's from New York. Uh, I think you know just you can think what you want about what that does to a player, but I feel like it always pitching in New York if you're from New York. There's just something. There's got to be something that you lend to that, and I think that. That obviously benefits him as well. Um, How tall are you? Myself? Yes. I'd say 5'7". Are you going to find yourself on the Marcus Stroman official store and buy yourself one of those HDMH uh, height doesn't measure heart t-shirts? No. Definitely will not be. I I don't know how... Those shirts move off the racks, according to Marcus Stroman. I'm sure. They're probably sold out, according to him as well, too. Probably, yeah. But... No, yeah, look, I, I like him, and, and the last thing I'll say on Stroman is the Yankees lose, I guess we'll say lose out on Seve. He goes to the Mets, and I, I always thought that Seve was a really good energy guy. Like, he just pitches with a great energy, and I think that point blank, I feel like Stroman kind of fills that void. You know, Carlos Rodon, also a big energy guy. Uh, Garrett Cole as well, you know, to an extent, but I, I think in terms of, you know, you, there's the clip floating around now of, of uh, Stroman pitching to Soto and striking him out and then doing the Soto shuffle at Juan Soto. Yeah. Little things like that will annoy some people, but I think that pitchers that have a little bit of an intensity like that uh, are fun to watch. And I like to have those guys on my team versus Dude, that. That's the stuff that's going to make this exciting. Like those are the yeah. things where if Stroman loses a game, I'm, I'm all over WFAN the next day. Well, do you remember we, we spoke about it. Remember when I think they were playing the angels and it was like when the Yankees were in like a rough stretch and Rodon was pitching and he got taken out of the game. And he started blowing kisses to the fans. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, like that is a microcosm of the kind of things you'll get with Marcus Stroman. And that yes. was a, that set the news articles ablaze. Just, just Rodon doing that. So uh, again, I, if, if you're good, everything will go good. It seems, it sounds stupid, but it's, it's so very true in sports. So um Hopefully, just hoping for the best there for the Yankees, for Stroman, and uh, and I think it's a good signing overall. Um, on the other side, real quick, we'll, we'll get through this. A bunch of pre-arbitration agreements yesterday, perhaps the biggest being uh, Pete Alonzo and the Mets. Uh, well, the, the largest contract was uh, – largest pre-arbitration contract in history, I believe, was the Yankees at Juan Soto. So they agreed to a deal before heading to arbitration. Um, and then the Mets, biggest in terms of maybe ramifications – Possibly the Mets signed Pete Alonso uh, or agreed to a deal with Pete Alonso pre-arbitration. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, happy to hear it, I guess. It's, it's no surprise here. But some of the things that I'm starting to read around Pete Alonso now are, are giving me a little bit of cause for concern, you know. Um, so, you know, they avoid arbitration, but we do hear that there's been no talk whatsoever about an extension thus far. Now, that's fine. But we have heard Pete Alonso say in the past that it's not something he wants to discuss during the season, which I understand. But, you know, at that token, you're, we're sort of coming up on pitchers and catchers here. So you're starting to telegraph it and you're like, man, we're going to wind up in the offseason and this guy's going to be a free agent. Uh, so that's, you know, I guess a little bit of cause for concern because there was another thing we read where, you know, maybe Pete Alonso prefers to play for the Cubs or the Yankees and all this. And sure. And I really don't know where the Mets are with Pete Alonso. I don't really know where the Mets are directionally at all right now. So it's kind of confusing and frustrating to talk about. 
Um, but I think that if you if you don't retain Pete Alonso after the season, and you already told us this season is kind of your reset year, um, you know, if you're not going to bring back Pete Alonso, you're really only true power source and really one of your only constants on this team and in that lineup. I think that's like a, a total reset button. You know, that's you kind of just saying like, okay, well, we're going to keep the Lindor piece and we're going to build around Lindor and, and we're going to start at square one. And that's kind of what I think you're doing if you were to neglect to retain Alonzo. So I guess it remains to be seen. We'll see if heat st uh, talks start to heat up. But the fact we haven't heard anything yet about a potential extension, you know, it's a little bit worrisome. I mean, when, when I first saw that passing tweet that said, you know, Mets in agreement with Pete Alonzo, I was like, okay, good. But no, just uh, they just avoid arbitration. Yeah, just uh, just going to pay him for this year is kind of kind of what that said. And, I, I you know, I, I kind of said jokingly in our chat yesterday about, you know, how, you know, what kind of laughing at the Mets, blah, blah, blah. But I, I really do think it's you're right. It's it's interesting that, you know, they he said multiple times that he doesn't want to talk about it during the season. How do you have a conversation with a guy about a pre arbitration deal? You get to an agreement and not no one mentioned a larger contract, not once. Yeah, I'm not really sure how those hearings go. Um, well, this was before the hearings, so they didn't but get even to if those. they didn't have to have that talk. I mean, at the end of the day, we're going into the guy's final season of his contract. It's almost like now or never. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm. Yeah, exactly. Like, so he's going to. And what happens again? I guess it's this is more of a, a a remark on Pete Alonso versus the Mets. But, you know, what happens if Pete Alonso goes out there and gets hurt this this year and has like a. Not a obviously a career-ending injury, but what if he has a, a major injury that then further, uh, I guess, lessens his value? You know, that's always on the table when you sign like a one-year deal or you're in the last year of your deal. But I don't know. I think if uh, you're right, and I think that it, it kind of has to leave a bit of a sour taste in the the mouth of Met fans. That I mean, really, like, what else do you want out of a guy? Like, he obviously wants to be here. Like. I understand what you're saying. There's been reports where you'd rather play elsewhere, but when he's here, he, he, everyone seems to think he's a great teammate. He produces, uh, especially in the power department. He's, I think everyone can agree that he's gotten uh, a lot better in the field since he's, you know, he, he, he was a, a younger player. And I think that if you're, if you're a Met fan, I mean, all the, all the marketing around him and, and all the fans that, you know, have Alonzo jerseys and whatnot, I think it would be a really, really tough look if, if yeah. he ends up yeah. on another and, team. What I will say in regards to these reports, and you know, a lot of baseball reporting over the last couple of years hasn't been 100% accurate, we'll just say. But I do think when there's smoke, there's fire. And when you look at last season, Pete Alonso's demeanor uh, changed immensely. You know, he kind of went from being like, you know, we laugh about it all the time, but he was kind of like the team mascot. And last year, he was just day in and day out visibly frustrated, you know, I guess just because of the direction of the Mets and all that. But I mean, he was not the same, just, you know, just, just the way that he uh, presents himself. He was not the same Pete Alonso that we were used to last year. So I, I do think where there's smoke is fire, there's a little bit of something here. The fact that we haven't heard either side talk about an extension, uh, the fact that we're hearing reports being leaked about other places he might potentially want to play. Um, I would have to guess that there's there's something more going on that we don't know about. Not that this is some big conspiracy, anything like that. Uh, but I, I do think that maybe Pete Alonso's, you know, Mr. Met persona, uh, you know, it, it might have taken a turn last season. Yeah, very, very possible. And definitely will be something for us to kind of just watch. And like you said, you're, you're watching the Mets last year and you just see his demeanor change on a dime. It'll be interesting to see how, how that kind of uh, – shows itself during this season again uh, in a contract year yeah uh you know it, so it'll be interesting to see how that how that turns or if it doesn't change or uh just how it presents itself but um still a couple months away from the baseball season uh but a lot so much still to to be hashed out in terms of you know big free agents big guys that are being traded on the or floated around in the trade market uh, contract extensions perhaps um so a lot to follow there but the just wanted to get that out of the way because the core of this show has to be the football uh, that goes on this weekend, the firings that happen this week. And of course, we'll get to our picks. Um, let's let's start with the coaching, because the Patriots, uh, obviously, everyone probably listened to this. This is we're not any sort of breaking news podcast, but we're more so a, a recap and thoughts podcast. Uh, everyone at this point probably has seen 
Bill Belichick has, uh, I guess, stepped away or mutually agreed to uh, move on from the Patriots. And today they, they hired Gerard Mayo, who uh, kind of it seemed like it, it was pretty written there that he was going to uh, take over after Belichick as probably part of some, you know, behind closed doors agreement between Kraft, Belichick and uh, Mayo. Uh, so, look, if you, for the Jets fan perspective of this, obviously Bill Belichick is uh, has been the thorn in the side of, of Jet fans for years and years. Maybe, you know, I guess some Jet fans can finally find some happiness in the fact that, you know, in his last game, he lost to the Jets as a Patriots head coach. Um, interesting. I think there's a lot of interesting conversation around it. Give me some of your thoughts on on Belichick, on uh, the future of the Patriots, how it relates to the Jets and all that. Yeah, well, I'll start just by saying that I, I think we're kind of weak as Jet fans, because as I go through social media, you know, I see a lot of ding dong, the witch is dead and, you know, he can't hurt us anymore, kind of like we did with Tom Brady. And I don't know, it just feels lame to me. I, I, I always wanted the Jets to just kind of figure out a way to take down the Patriots one day. Uh, while they were at their best. Alas, that never happened, and that's why we call the Patriots a dynasty. Um, I have a lot of love and respect for Bill Bill Belichick. Uh, I want to get into, you know, landing destinations, things like that. But, um, yeah, I think Gerard Mayo was a little bit of of a surprise. As you said, I mean, it seems like it was written. I mean, you know, for it to have happened this quickly. But, I mean, we we were all just looking at the stars aligning of, you know, Vrabel to the Patriots, and, you know, this morning, that's just, that's gone already. Yeah. And that, that seemed like it was, I mean, that's just kind of the, that was the easy, you know, knee jerk, you know, one-to-one former player played under Belichick, probably has a lot of respect for Belichick, blah, blah, blah. That, that seemed to be the easy way out. And, and I, I honestly thought it was, it kind of made a lot of sense as well, but look, I think that it was, like I said, part of probably the agreement between Kraft and Belichick that, uh, that Mayo would, would take over. So uh, again, a lot of openings now throughout the entire league, just to name a few. The uh, we already mentioned the Patriots; they filled their their uh, head coaching vacancy. Pete Carroll out of Seattle, or kind of stepping into an advisory role. It seems like right now uh, that was a very interesting move. Commanders uh, head coaching vacancy. Chargers, Raiders, Panthers, Falcons, Titans. Right now, a lot of head coaching uh, vacancies uh, that are on some interesting scenarios that. Uh, I think that you know we can kind of go through every single one of these and kind of give our you know our our favorite ones. But let me let's stick to Belichick here for a second. Of those head coaching vacancies, which one do you think makes the most sense for Bill Belichick and Bill Belichick only? Well, I think the thing with with Bill Belichick is I do want to know if he is assuming a general manager role wherever he goes. Um. Let's just take that off the table for this conversation, I guess. I think, and I don't think Bill Belichick is motivated by the Tom Brady comparisons totally, right? I don't believe in all that, but I do really think that the Belichick goal is probably to get one more. So I think, you know, the easiest way you do that is you go to a team that has a quarterback that has something going on. And you don't look at a team like, say, the Falcons, you know? So for me, I always thought kind of the Chargers were the team that made the most sense, you know, give them the quarterback. And even if he's going to assume the GM role, fine. I mean, he's won Super Bowls doing that before. There's obviously issues with the Chargers. But still, as much as we see them underachieve every year, and a lot of this has to do with just having Justin Herbert, having the quarterback, I still think that's the team that's the closest. So to me, Belichick makes the most sense there. Now, we're seeing a lot of sort of, links to the Washington Commanders. I have trouble with that one, and I guess I'm kind of just going back to the quarterback position. I don't I don't believe in Sam Howell. Uh, you know, the Commanders have a long way to go. We just watched them have a fire sale of defense, you know, a couple months ago. So in my mind, I just think who's more primed to make a run, and, and I guess that would be the Chargers for me. So let me, let me float out a couple questions, because part of me definitely agrees, but I think that there's a couple different avenues that I've I've thought of that I or I've read online in the past couple of days that kind of definitely sparked my my interest a little bit. The first scenario is the Raiders. Now the Raiders, obviously Antonio Pierce seems to be, uh, you know the the uh, locker room favorite to land the job. I'll say. Yeah, um, I almost the, don't even feel like that's a vacancy. I feel like they're going to interview for fun and and hire him. Well, 
but I think that, you know, what, what do we speak? What do we say about the Jets and the Giants or I guess whoever kind of locked in their their coach, uh, you know, prior to all these vacancies? That they're you silly know, gooses. That they're silly. Yeah, exactly. That, you know, the, the Jets saying we're good on Bill Belichick. Uh, let's just keep Robert Sala before it even happened is ridiculous. So uh, I present you this. And look, I, I understand if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say Antonio Pierce gets that job as well. But my my case there is he's Belichick's got links to Jimmy Garoppolo. The NFL just moved them to Vegas. Uh, they they have weapons. They have Jacobs. They have Adams. And I think that if you can keep Antonio Pierce somehow involved, well, I think he was the defensive coordinator prior to that, or or I, I'm not sure what he was prior to the being a the, the you know, DC, yeah. But I think if if you tell him, hey, you'll you'll continue to be the DC. The guys love you but we cannot pass up on Belichick. His links to Garoppolo, he's coached him before. Uh, and then again, having having the guy like uh, like Devontae Adams, like, like Josh Jacobs, like Max Crosby on the defense, there's a lot of interesting pieces there in Vegas that I think with a good coach would could honestly not be too far off. Yeah, I just want to know. I, I just wonder if we're exaggerating the you know bill belichick wanted garoppolo over brady thing if, if we're exaggerating that you know six or seven years later yeah i mean look very very well could be just nothing but immediately that's that was one scenario i thought of the other scenario i guess i thought of is um a kind of a you know you mentioned the commanders and would it be the most let me let me paint the picture for you there, there's Bill Belichick goes to the commanders and tells the commanders, forget about Sam Howell. You know, you could trade him if you want, you know, or you could just keep him here, you know, for a couple of years. But I will come to your team if you bring uh, Kirk Cousins back to Washington. That's that's interesting. Right. That's interesting. But but at the end of the day, I still think that he's fueled by the Super Bowl. And I, I don't know when I look at these teams with vacancies and quarterbacks and quarterbacks they could get because let's face it, I kind of sound like I'm giving too much credit to the position, but that's kind of like the, the one thing you try to get right when you enter a new situation and you kind of get to pick your own quarterback or you get to adopt a quarterback. That's kind of like the thing you have to have down pat before anything else uh, or before you can win anything. And I don't, I don't know that Belichick views any of these guys besides Justin Herbert in that way. Yeah, uh, so uh, and I agree. I, I, you know, and just looking at the Chargers as a whole, not only do they have a quarterback, but he also will get. Assuming Belichick would be the Chargers head coach, he'd also get a top five pick. So again, if you if you want to, like you said, you want to assume uh, that he has some sort of GM capabilities, we'll say he'll be able to move that pick for for maybe a player that helps him win now, uh, or even just take his choosing. Uh, of player in the draft to kind of that's not a quarterback because realistically I mean we spoke about this last time but most likely the first four four of the first five picks will be quarterbacks most likely so the Chargers being at five if they have Justin Herbert and don't need a quarterback they're going to have their their prime pickings of whoever they want so that could be something that interests him as well but uh, yeah again a lot of a lot of different uh vacancies and a lot of different scenarios that was more of a, a bill belichick conversation but outside of belichick uh given the, given what we you know the teams that i just listed off there you mentioned the chargers i'm going to assume that that's your number one that is also my number one but after the chargers who what two teams would you say are probably the most appealing to just you know blank head coach yeah, so you listed off the teams, you know, Seattle, Washington, the Chargers, Raiders, Panthers, Falcons, and Titans, all with vacancies right now. Uh, you and I both love the Chargers, you know, as a sexy job in our number one. Uh, my number two, I have the Falcons. I think that that's a team loaded with young talent. Um, and I, I, I think that they're the Falcons are, they seem like they're one move away. I think that that's a team that they almost feel like a new shiny toy, like Bill Belichick or anyone could go in there and have fun with. Um so I, I think that would be a, an enticing job for, say, a Jim Harbaugh, you know, who's just this great offensive mind and, and get to work with those kids. I, I think maybe that would be a good fit. So that's my number two. And my number three, this one might sound a little surprising. This is a team that should still have their head coach probably, and it's the Titans. 
Um, I think the Titans are in a position now where they're they're going to move away from Derrick Henry. That's fine. There's money coming off the books. There's you know money being reduced from the cap. Um, that's kind of like a fresh start. But also, I don't think that they're a nothing team. You know, we we just watched them the last week of the season with nothing to gain. Uh, go ahead and beat Jacksonville. I think Will Levis has been. You know, I, I think he was surprisingly above average. Uh, I don't know that that's, you know, their quarterback of the future or anything like that, but I think there's pieces in place there for the Titans. I get how big the Derrick Henry loss is, uh, but that's my team in the three. So we're going to we're gonna be the same there uh, on the two. I'm also with the Falcons, and I agree with you that the, uh, the it's just an interesting place. You know, B. John Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, they have a lot of interesting talent there that, I, I think if you if you put the right quarterback in and get the right head coach there, um, yeah. See, know, that's the thing I said. They're like they feel like they're a move away, but they're also a coach away because they do have talent and it's not showing up. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. And, and I think that uh, you know maybe they might not even need like you know the best the best quarterback in the league to kind of succeed. They they have the eighth pick in the draft. Not saying that they would necessarily want to move up, but could they be a team that entertains moving up? Could they be a team that would suit a guy like a Kirk Cousins or a Russell Wilson? Those two guys would be very interesting there with all that talent around them. Um, I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I have a little bit of a different team, a little bit of a different take uh, on the my third team, my third most appealing team. I'm gonna say the Seattle Seahawks, and and for a couple of reasons, I just think that they, the Seahawks are they are in the middle ground here, but I again, just like kind of we said about the the Falcons. They have a lot of interesting talent. I mean, like Kenneth Walker, uh, DK Metcalf on the offensive side of the ball. I get the defense is not the same, but I mean, they have a couple. The, their secondary is great. They're, they ha- there are a couple pieces off on the defensive side that uh, you get a, you get a defensive-minded coach. I would be really interested to see Mike Vrabel go to Seattle. I think that that would definitely suit the, the kind of persona that Seattle would want to play. Um and I think that it would be an interesting spot for, look, they already have Geno Smith there. You can kind of see what you have in him as well as, you know, could they be a spot that takes like a Penix and it behind uh, to kind of back up Geno. And if Geno starts, you know, playing poorly or playing, uh, you know, uh, underwhelming, you don't really have too much tied into Geno. And could that be a spot where you can kind of draft a quarterback late, have a good defense, build up the defense, save some money on the offense, and I think I think Vrabel there would be a very very interesting spot, and I wouldn't be stunned if if that is the move, if they're competing next year. Yeah, and I, I kind of like that take too because Seattle, I mean, in Pete Carroll's thirteen years there, and all the years he got out of Russell Wilson, and all the years he got out of that elite defense, and you know they obviously have a home field advantage, unlike others in the NFL. Um, I, I think they've sort of built a culture over that thirteen year period of Pete Carroll. Um, and I think a guy like Mike Vrabel, a guy who's been in the league now for how long has he been coaching the Titans? Six years, seven years. Um, I, like I think that's a good fit there. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I was just kind of drawing lines today, kind of just, you know, seeing seeing what guys have the, that have coached other players and whatnot. You know, kind of what I mentioned about Garoppolo and Belichick. Uh, and I, I thought that that was a, a couple of interesting ties there. But look, so many names that are going to be floated around. We're not going to go through every single one of them. Uh, but uh, I think that there's a lot of post Super Bowl. There will be a, a lot of interesting signings, and I think there's going to be a lot of shuffling around uh, of yeah. different people uh, within the entire league. But so let's um, say you, as you are, you're, you're Sam Allen, and still. you know the NFL. They go and they listen to one of your Jets breakdowns or something, and they go, "Oh my God, this guy's got it. This guy should be a head, a head coach." And you're on the market. Every team is clamoring for you. What what team are you signing up for? You're you. So take into account where you want to live, take into account all the pieces in place, all, all of that. And, and where you think you have the best shot to succeed, where are you going to coach and you're being offered a a four-year contract? So I'm, I'm coaching one of the vacancies is what you're saying. One of the vacancies. Yes. Um, well, I I think that obviously I think the chargers is is still definitely an interesting one, but if I, if I, let me put it this way. If I were to go to a team and they thought highly enough of me like Belichick, where they would give me some sort of GM capabilities, I, I would probably say the Titans. And then I would probably tell the Titans GM, like take whatever deal, whatever to get into the top three picks here. You're, you're at pick seven now uh, with Tennessee. 
if you pay, trade that pick and maybe a future pick to move up to to one with the Bears, could Tennessee be the team that takes Caleb Williams, get my guy Caleb Williams, and totally rebuild from the bottom up? I I would sign up for that. But that's a that's a big stretch and a big promise. Um, yeah, yeah it's a little bit, a little bit of a stretch, a little bit. Yeah, but I'll I'll say the Titans. I, I like. I, I still think that again. I think Derrick Henry's probably out. It'll be interesting to see what happens with DeAndre Hopkins there. But all things considered. I think that, I mean, that defense is still a very solid defense with all things considered. They obviously are missing a quarterback. I'd be interested to see what, how the defense kind of could sustain itself if they got a better, if they got better play out of the quarterback position. And honestly, even if they want to stick with Will Levis, I would like to see what he, he has because I think he's, he, he's fine. Like, you know, I'm not saying he's a franchise quarterback, but, I think you could you could build a good team around Will Levis if he grows a little bit. So yeah, he's like um, the epitome of like a, a good bridge guy who could give you a little more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that could that uh, they're at seven right now. So even if I I get shut down and told absolutely no way we're trading up, I still have a really high pick for a a prime talent in this draft. So uh, as well as it's already crazy that Gerard Mayo, who is now an NFL head coach was picked, I think, a few picks after or before one uh, Joe Flacco in the same draft class. One of them playing in the playoffs this week. One of them just got their first head coaching gig. It's interesting. It's a, it's a crazy, crazy sport that we we follow and, and cover here. But, yeah, that, that's uh, definitely definitely an interesting way to look at it. Let's uh, – let's, how do you want to do the picks? Do you want to do – you want to just – I, I want to get to all these games. I want to break down all these games. I think – I think right now we we both give our picks first. We don't we you know tip any hands. We give our picks and then we dive right into uh, the the schedule in its entirety. All right. So real quick, you you can go first. Give me both of your picks. Okay. My my first pick um, is a pick I'm not I'm not incredibly in love with just because I think it's sort of a lot of points. But I think Green Bay coming into Dallas. I know Green Bay has been on a tear, but Dallas has been too. Uh, it's just one of those games where I, I like the home team. I'm going to trust the defense. So give me Dallas to edge Green Bay by a touchdown. Interesting. Okay, so we'll go over that game. So now that's, again, just a reminder, you will lose points if you don't get it right. So you are going to take them for one or two points. That's my one-point pick. Okay, so one-point pick, Dallas minus seven. Yeah, and my two-point play is going to be the Browns going into Houston. This is just uh, another game where I just think – Houston wants every game to be a shootout. They want every game to be, you know, which team has the the better offensive highlight reel. Cleveland's not going to let you do that. And by the way, Cleveland has been scoring points. I mean, the offense has been going crazy since Joe Flacco stepped in. They're up there with all, like, all the other great defenses left uh, is, I think, Cleveland. So I think they're going to go into Houston. I don't think they have much of a problem with them. I think they'll cover the two points. Yeah, I, I they would probably be my third pick if I if I had a third pick. Oh, so we don't have any of the same. I could guess one of your picks, but I won't. I'll let you. I'll let you have your fun. Yeah. So my my one point play this week, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Rams. Right. I think that that's the most interesting game of the week in terms of kind of storylines and whatnot. We'll we'll, you know, we'll get into every game, so I'm not gonna go into too much detail. But I really like the Rams plus three. I heard a lot of uh, you know number crunching that kind of lended to the Rams' favor. Uh, just kind of good matchups versus bad matchups on the Lions defense side of the ball. Uh, really like the Rams there plus three. I think they win outright. If it got if it got the three and a half, I, I would take it for three points as an upset. But I'll just take the three points there. Um, and then my number two pick or my two point play, I, I'm taking the Chiefs again. All I've I had to. This was this was my had to take pick of yeah, the week. It was a lock. I would have called you a fraud if you didn't take him. I, and I knew that, knowing that, because let's be honest, I have talked down the Dolphins, said that the Dolphins would not win a playoff game, and what am I going to do? Not take the Chiefs yeah. at home? I've never heard someone put a team name in the same sentence as first-round exit ever in my life. Yeah, well, that, here it is, and I think that the, uh, the the entire Dolphins defense is just absolutely decimated, uh, and, not, and that might not really matters so much in this game with the weather conditions or the forecast that they're they're kind of forecasting it's going to seem to be a very uh freezing game yeah like one of the most freezing games of all time like we're talking about like a like a negative 35 degree wind chill 
Yeah, and I think that that just lends to the Chiefs and the non-Miami team. And I, think I, I think I agree with you, and I would yeah. have taken them too. That would have been my third pick. Awesome. So let's let's start let's start from the top, right? Let's start Saturday. We're recording this on Friday, about three o'clock ish. Let's start with tomorrow, the Browns at the Texans. That's your pick. We both said we like the Browns there, but let's let's talk about it. So you mentioned C.J. Stroud. You mentioned, uh, you know, how interesting it is that Joe Flacco might be able to be C.J. Stroud's dad, and they're playing each other uh, in in week one or round one of the playoffs. Browns come in with an amazing defense. Texans are a fun story, but, I mean, my first thought in the game is I think that the spot that I put the Texans in is I just think they're kind of just happy to be here uh, in a way, like, you know, not – the, which is scary on one on one side of the coin, but I think that if, to them, if if they're here and they they you know show you know show face in the playoffs and they show that you know they're uh, they're definitely taking the right step forward, I'll say uh, I think that they'll be very they'll be very happy with it. Yeah, it's actually it's not it's not crazy that you said the Texans are happy to be here. It's crazy that we're saying that. In a Browns playoff game, the other team is the team that's happy to be there. Yeah, what what a world! But I mean, listen, the Browns are an eleven and six team, and they got their shit together. What a month and a half ago? I mean, they would really be in the upper echelon of the NFL if this is the way that they started out the season with Joe Flacco at the helm. And, you know, kind of if they were playing this brand of football year, I think that's where they would be. So, I think it, at this moment, I would say they're the better team. It's kind of a shame they have to go into Houston, but. Hey, good for us. It's a two-point spread. Yeah, and, and I think that, look, you know, you could talk me into uh, the Eagles having a home field advantage when they play at home, the Chiefs having a home field advantage. I'm not really too sure how much the Texans have a home field advantage per se. No, and no, I think no. that a, a guy like Joe Flacco, who all reports seem to say that he's kind of grounded this locker room and kind of just been like, you know, the they call him Unk, apparently. It's it just his nickname. But, I'll buy uh, a jersey. I'll buy a jersey right now. It, what? A Joe Flacco jersey? Yeah. I, if he wins a Super Bowl, I might have to buy him a, buy a jersey. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, th- I think that it's it's a great story, and I think that the Browns are, like you said, if we just look at you know the back half of the season and kind of when the Browns started to roll, they're they're an elite football team. They finish eleven and six. The Texans uh, ten and seven. Uh, one thing I will note, it kind of playing devil's advocate here Browns are three and five on the road and the Texans are six and three at home uh not not shocking but I think definitely could be something to watch there um and it'll be interesting the matchup to watch to me is just how CJ Stroud handles this defense that has just given everyone fits uh and and look either way this game I think it's a cool story because if Stroud wins if the Texans win, it's just like, wow, this kid's really the real deal. Not not saying that he had any doubters, but you, you can face the arguably the best defense in the playoffs in your first playoff game and you win. That's that's pretty impressive to me. So I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna necessarily say that I'm I'm rooting for either side per se, but I, I think that uh you know for the NFL standard, but uh in terms of picks, I'm I'm gonna lay the points with the Browns. I need that. Flacco Stafford Super Bowl, so we can tell all the youngins that like our generation of football was just better. Yeah, like the guys are just. How, I don't even know how old Flacco is. Thirty what? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. Unbelievable. Yeah. He, he took a coach flight to the tryout or the practice. Yep. Did you see that? Yeah, crazy. So uh, we're, we're both on Browns there. Next game Saturday. This is uh, the game we kind of just talked about. A minus two degree forecast there in Kansas City. Dolphins heading to Kansas City um, and the Tyreek Hill storylines, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, how bad the, the Chiefs have been playing. They still find themselves at minus four and a half and I think that, again, my, my pick here, but I couldn't be less impressed with a team going into the playoffs and the Dolphins plus the injuries, plus the cold weather. I, I say this you know sparingly I'd be stunned if the Chiefs lost this game. Absolutely stunned. Okay, so that's interesting you said that because I, I'm with you on the pick. Uh, I'm on Kansas City as well. But I do think that if this game was flipped and this game's in Miami, I think I'm on Miami. So let me ask you the same question. Now, you know, don't get me 
Well, but it is still the Chiefs, and I, I might trust them more. I'm just saying, gun to your head, you know, the spread's the same in Miami. Uh, the spread's the same the other way in Miami, whatever it is. Do you flip your pick? That's tough. Um, it's a good question. I think that, honestly, the Dolphins, the Chiefs are, I just kind of spoke about home field advantage, and I guess I could start there. Obviously, the weather would favor the Dolphins because not only just it's not negative two, but I think that I would probably still be on the Chiefs, but purely because, I mean, this defense, they're signing guys like, like two days ago, they're going to start on the defense for the Dolphins. And I think that you can you can have a as poor of an end to the season like the Chiefs did. And I think that Mahomes is going to pick them apart. And I think that they're, you know, especially at the linebacker edge rush position for the Dolphins, I think that Mahomes is going to have all day to throw. And I think if the weather was better, that would probably benefit Mahomes in that matchup way more than it would Tua. So uh, I, I still probably would be on Chiefs there. Yeah, I saw um, I saw a tweet. It was like a, a little clip of like just like the the grossest blizzard ever, and it was like Mike McDaniel looking at this and just you know jotting down the three craziest pass plays he could think of. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean it's literally they're gonna have to play. I, I I'm like a very, sport very they sc- haven't played this year. Yeah, and I'm very very skeptical of Tua to begin with, even in 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 the most prime conditions. Um, and not for nothing, this defense for the Chiefs, the offense has struggled. That's been the storyline. But the defense that the Chiefs have rolled out this year is a, a very, very solid unit. I could argue that they're like the, a top three defense in the playoffs. Very, very yeah. arguable. So uh, I'm going mean, to lay it on the table. Travis Kelsey struggling all year. I get it. This is like going to be like the Travis Kelsey breakout game in the playoffs. I mean, like, Penn, oh. he's just the closest player to the quarterback, biggest body to throw to. Like, I think when the Chiefs throw, I just think they're looking for 87. And and he'll get lost in the snow. He'll find a way to get open. Yeah, and I think I, I agree with you. And I think that he, he sat out last week. And I think, let's be honest, look look at this division. And this is a little bit of, like, tinfoil hat to, to me and you. But it's very obvious that uh, Travis Kelsey's production went down the last, especially the second half of the year. But is there any world where the Chiefs looked at their schedule, looked at what happened with Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders and that whole situation, looked at what happened with the Broncos, witnessed what happened with the, the Chargers and said, look, guys, we can we can play Travis Kelsey half or give him half the production, half the targets, and we'll still win this division. And I think that almost like a, a hibernation in a way where they've been kind of preserving Travis Kelsey a little bit down the stretch and now I think that it's going to be uh, the training wheels will be off for lack of a better term. Is that is that a crazy way to look at this? No, it's not. I think the Chiefs could be like, yeah, let's lose him up. He, he, he could die out there for all we care. Yeah. He did well, say I mean, earlier today that, that he is no longer contemplating retiring. So Yeah. Well, let's let's see if they lose this game and his last game is in, in you know, minus two with negative 20 degree wind chill. Uh, let's let's see how much he's interested in playing next yeah, season. You think they're going to make Taylor Swift go out in that cold weather? She she shouldn't have to go out when it's cold ever if she doesn't want to. That's how I feel about it. I feel like Taylor Swift is just one of those people. Like there, I think it's about like Jay Z, like major celebrities that like the people talk about like walking with a black cloud over your head. I feel like she walks with like a ray of sunshine on her. Like she just can't get cold. Like which one of those people? Like yeah, it doesn't matter I, where she. I, is. I think they move her around in like. Like accordance with the sun, <laughs> yeah, right in the sun's rays that she she has to move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, she better be there. I'll tell you that if she's not there, ultimate fraud. All I don't care what her schedule is like. Well, maybe she. Well, fraud. what if she didn't go and said, you know, I saw all the tweets and I, I didn't want to curse the franchise any longer. Would you respect okay. that? I would respect that. Yes. Okay. But there would need to be some very very uh, confirmed sources that told me she said that before yeah. uh you know not before just someone some swifty saying oh well she didn't want to curse the fan base uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, need, I need confirmation of her intent to go and her exact reasoning for not going yeah yeah so uh other than just oh i was busy but nonetheless um let's move on to sunday uh we got two of our picks out of the way uh this game it seems to be it's flying a little bit under the radar here i think as a in terms of competitiveness, um, the Bills hosting the Steelers, giving nine and a half. I think it's a large number. 
the the over under this game is only 34. I even saw a report about an hour ago that they were, you know, the NFL is quote unquote monitoring the weather as they do always because apparently there's supposed to be some winter storm uh, that Buffalo is going to get. You know, you know a lot about winter storms in Buffalo. Um, and horrible. I think for the for the the sake of just looking at the numbers of this game. I think nine and a half is too much. And uh, you can call me, you can say I'm a Mike Tomlin guy, because I am, but I think, I don't think Mike Tomlin gets embarrassed. Let me just put it that way. I think I I agree with you. And I guess it is because of the competitive edge of the Bills, but I do find myself caring about this game the least, I guess I'll say. Um, Listen, I think nothing's going to stop the Bills from winning this game outright. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's Especially if we're going to have to deal with a game with a storm like that. It is strange that you're going to say, okay, like it, the over-under is going to be as low as 34, but the spread is going to be as high as almost 10 points. I don't yeah. know. It's strange to me. It's almost like you're trying to play both sides. Uh, at the end of the day, I probably would still take the 10 points. Uh, it's, a, it's a big number. It's tough. But, I mean, I, I, like, let me ask you this. Would you be shocked if Buffalo wins by 30? And would you be shocked if Buffalo wins by five? Like, no, right? I think either of those are viable. And I think either way, they find a way to win the game. And because of that, uh, I'll ride with the Bills. I, I don't have enough love for the Steelers to be like, that's too big a number. I trust them too much. I think it's a fraudulent 10-7. and 7. Interesting. I mean, it definitely is. But I think that the, the, the non-fraudulent part of it is just Mike Tomlin. And I think that he's, he's done uh, an amazing job this year, like he does every year, uh, to no one's, no one's shock. And I think that... You know, he, he's been in this situation before, obviously, you know, much different scenario. Last time he was he was in, uh, you know, I guess in the playoffs with a, with a different quarterback, I'll say. Um, but uh, I think that uh, maybe maybe Mason Rudolph is just good. Right. Maybe that's the case. Maybe the, the, the snow lends to the Steelers and they're they're much better defense. Uh, T.J. Watt is out of this game. That's obviously going to be a. Huge- oh, that's a killer. Yeah, yeah, that's that. Honestly, if he was in this game, the line's probably like seven and a half. Yeah. So, but again, they they lose um, Watt, but they do end up getting. I believe Minka is going to play in this game. Uh, who's obviously you know we're big Minka fans over here, um, but he on on the field he's just a, a great player. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it, and he's definitely one that's going to affect some things that the Bills do. Uh, so. I'll, I'll, we'll flip up there. You can take the Bills. I'll take the Steelers. I do think the Bills will win this game. I just think nine and a half from a gambling perspective yeah. is too much. You remember um, that uh, Tomlin soundbite from a few weeks ago where he's like, we do not care. Yes. Like yeah, a I, player doing a press conference today wearing a T-shirt that said that. I thought that was funny. Yeah, I, they Look, I mean, you got to love the guy if you yeah. play for him. Yeah. He's got the best. He's got the best coaching quote of all time. We want uh, we want volunteers, not hostages. Yeah, yeah. That's the best quote of all time in terms of team building. Um, next game, uh, your pick here, Cowboys minus seven hosting the Green Bay Packers. Uh, this is, look, I have talked to the Cowboys all year. Minus seven is a big number. They, for the sake of, you know, the, you know, Cowboy fan friends that I have and me talking them up, they better cover this number because I think that the Packers are a good story. Jordan Love is good. I think that they're – I don't want to say that they're very, like, impressive and Jordan Love is is going to have a good future in this league and, and it's good for the Packers that they seem to have found uh, the guy that they want. But I think that this is a – this should be a w- absolute walkover game for the Cowboys in terms of just the matchup, in terms of uh, being at home, how good the Cowboys are at home. I, I'm surprised that this line isn't a little bigger. But, again, the reason it's not my pick is because I think that this is the pack. This is I don't like to bet on things that are or put money on things that, like, are in a scenario where they better win. Like, because I don't like to be on the other side of that because it's like doubling down on the reverse. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it does. And I get what you're saying. I think the, what really landed me to picking the Cowboys is – when I look at the Green Bay resurgence over the past month, maybe month and a half, I think a lot of it has to do with Aaron Jones coming back. So Aaron Jones returns. I mean, he has that uh, stretch of three games where he runs for 100 yards plus and all of them, I think makes things a lot easier for Jordan Love. And yeah, I think from 
just a standpoint of the future. I think if you're a Green Bay fan, you're over the moon. You know, it looks like you do have the quarterback. It looks like, I mean, you were competitive. You're in the playoffs. And, you know, it looks like you're kind of primed to, to be one of the NFL Goliaths again, maybe eventually, right? But I just think against this front seven, I don't know that you're going to have that wiggle room of just a dynamic 100-yard rushing running back who's going to make things easier, easier uh, get guys open. I think that they're going to struggle against the Dallas defense. So I, I still don't even think it's a, a small number because it is a full touchdown in the playoffs, and we have seen what Green Bay's been able to do. But I think Aaron Jones has been such a key piece in you know the way that they've improved. And I don't know that that really matters against a front seven like that of Dallas. Yeah, and, and I think that, again, everything you said, 100% spot on. Jordan Love has been ultimately impressive. Uh, I, I just think that this is a spot. At the end of the day, he's not a rookie. He's been in the league for a few years. But just from the mental side of this, it is a huge spot to ask of Jordan Love. I mean, just to go into Dallas and upset this Cowboys defense that uh, that is when they play, especially when they play at home. I mean, that would be the ultimate upset. I couldn't see a, a bigger upset on the board, honestly, if the if the Packers won. I mean, obviously, you know, numbers wise, I think that the 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 bigger upset would be the the Buffalo Bills losing. But in terms of just like stature in the league, I think if if you know if Steelers went into Buffalo and beat the Bills, it would be like okay, well, Buffalo was up and down all year. But if the Packers go into Dallas and beat the Cowboys, who are eight and zero at home, and they hand them their first loss at home. That's a, that's got to be a bigger upset. Yeah, I, I hear uh, Aaron Rodgers is thrilled the Jets season is over, so he gets to be on the sideline for this game on the Green Bay sideline in his yeah, was, green and gold. Since he still refers to this year's Packer team as we. Yeah, he's a we guy. It's so annoying, but uh, yeah, he he'll be in uh, in full. Um, he might be. He might be on the sidelines. He might help them win. He might throw a pass. Yeah. He might, they might declare him as active. They, the the yeah. Jets will just, like, rent him to the to the Packers for a game. Yeah, um, yeah whatever Aaron wants. If he wants to play, we, we don't want to upset him. Please, yeah, Aaron, yeah, don't yeah. play for Green Bay this week. Oh, you missed you, you missed out on the playoffs this year, but now you're healthy? All right, go ahead. You can go You can go play, Rodgers. Like, yeah. like a little yeah. kid. Um, but uh, I'll take uh, I'll, I'll take the Cowboys there at minus seven, and they better cover. Next game, this was my pick all over the Rams. Uh, I think that... Uh, there, there was a whole bunch of numbers that I was looking at before in terms of like uh, the Rams are really good on third down and the Lions are not. The Rams are really good in uh, the red zone and the Lions are one of the worst. There's a lot of like things that the Rams do well that the Lions defense does not do well or does not cover well. Uh, Sam Laporta, the Lion, one of the Lions' biggest receiving weapons, very, very questionable, got hurt, uh, really kind of freaky injury. Uh, I guess, was that last week or two weeks ago? But he's highly questionable. And then, of course, you have all the storylines of, uh, you know, the Goffer-Stafford deal. Sean McVay is uh, Jared Goff's old coach. Uh, and then uh, Stafford going into Detroit where he started and kind of built his career to try and hand them a playoff loss in a game that they haven't hosted in, was it 20 years or so? So many storylines. I already said my pick as the Rams plus three. What say you? Good for Detroit getting the division uh, is exciting. I hope we see a lot of, you know, a lot of the Detroit fan celebrities up there. I want to see Tim Robinson up there. I want to see Eminem in a suite. Um, exciting for the Lions. I don't know why. For some reason, I just feel like I'm on your side. I think that the Rams get it done. I think that the Rams, I think the Rams have improved every week throughout the season. Uh, we had them in the playoffs. I don't know if anyone remembers. No, no one else did. For some reason, everyone was just wildly low on the Rams. And I almost feel like I owe it to the Rams to stick with them here. I, as, a, as a fan, I don't really know who I root for here. I'm a big Stafford guy, but it is exciting to see Detroit in, in such a big game at home for once. Um, I am going to ride with the Rams. And like I said on the last episode, for some reason, this game is the one that I'm most excited about. Yeah, oh, I'm going to uh, second that. There's like a Detroit bar... And even like fans of sections of the stadium trying to like ban Matt Stafford jerseys. Girl. Yeah, that's weak. You're yeah, like that's... you're ruining the whole fun of what the game is. Yeah, and it's honestly if you're a uh, if you're a, a Lions fan, I mean it's got to be like really really bittersweet because like you're not gonna boo Stafford. He kind of like 
was the cornerstone of your organization for multiple, multiple years. I have. Right? Uh, did we break the uh, the Caleb Williams news on here yet? That, that he's declaring for the draft? <laughs> no, Caleb Williams wants assurances the Bears will be trading the first overall pick before declaring for the draft. Williams and his camp have no interest in playing in Chicago. That is from one Wesley Steinberg, uh, NFL and New York Giants insider. Okay, so let, let's pivot there for a second. Uh, interesting. Um, I think that now do the the Bears. That kind of sucks for the Bears, to be quite honest. No, um, I mean, listen, if they if they wanted Justin Fields, go ahead, trade the pick, and who cares? No harm, no foul. Yeah, but but it's there's some definitely something to being in a position where people don't know what you want and like you're not going to take Caleb or you're gonna or not gonna take Caleb Williams versus now you know that you cannot take Caleb Williams so you have to trade the oh, pick just less than the value. leverage yeah 100% let, yeah let leverage is, is kind of what I'm saying um but wow it, definitely interesting there I think that uh, they, they're another team that, like the Jets, they I think they committed to Eberflus as their their head coach, and probably uh, could possibly regret it very much if they uh, end up now having to trade the pick, sticking with Fields, and then trying to build around Fields. And I can just see that situation getting a little murky over there. Or if Fields is really good and they really do the right thing and trade the pick for a lot of value, uh, they could. They, I think they could definitely be a. You could talk me into them competing next year, but. That's a that's a that's a big piece there because that probably just lessened the the return that they're going to get by a pretty significant amount. Maybe, maybe, but I mean, at the end of the day, they still get to say, okay, you don't want it, someone else will want it. You know, I assume there's going to be teams bidding. Yeah, yeah. I look, you're you're right. I mean, if they're not going to get they're not going to get shorted on a deal that that'll uh, I think, land uh, someone. Uh, pick, I feel but. like when I was younger. For some reason, something like this would bother me. You know, like when you're younger, you kind of go, oh, you should be grateful to be in the league, man. You know, we saw yeah. Eli do this. We've seen players do this. I, I don't really have any issue with it anymore. You know, if you're talking to your agents and you feel like that's just not the best place for you in your career, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, it's also one thing to say, you know, uh, I don't want to go to this place versus this is the only place I want to play. Like, you know what I mean? He's the, he didn't say that. You know, I don't want to play for the Cardinals. I don't want to play for the uh, the Falcons or whatever. Whoever you know, whoever my, the, the Commanders. He said, "I just, I just don't really want to play in Chicago." Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's also the guy that said, "I want ownership of the team I play for." So we'll, we'll see if he's a nozzle or not. We'll see in, yeah. in due time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of speaking of a bunch of nozzles that uh, will definitely be spoken about uh, if they lose this game, the Philadelphia Eagles are on the brink of a very, very underrated collapse, in my opinion. Uh, they start the season 10-1. and one. They are they now have to head to Tampa Bay as a wild card and play the Buccaneers, the division winner, where the Buccaneers are plus three, underdogs at home. And I, they're the first, I think they're the first team in NFL history to, to start season 10-1 and one and not reach 12 wins, uh, something along those lines. Just an absolutely remarkable fall off here by the Eagles, and I have a—I guess I have an interesting spin on this. I think the Bucks win this game. I just—I think that the Eagles are haven't impressed me for weeks. The Bucks, you know, they're not the best team, but get them at home against this Eagles team that seems to doesn't know how to, you know, win games all of a sudden. AJ Brown highly questionable. Uh, Jalen Hurts even—you can say that uh, Jalen Hurts, if you're a believer that he's been hurt all year. Uh, you could say that he's not 100%. Bucks four and one in their last five. Eagles uh, one and five in their last five, beating the Giants. Look, uh, um, I think the Bucks win this game, but I'll say this: it's going to take a lot for a team to to you know figure out how to win, for for lack of a better term, for the Eagles. But I think if the Eagles can win this game and can win it in a, in a certain fashion that uh, you know can kind of put them back on track. I think that they could, they could be a, a very scary team here. Like I think they, if let's just, I'm let me paint the scenario. If they beat the Eagle, if they beat the Buccaneers this week, and then have to go play, uh, you know, the matchup is then what? Uh, they would get the, they would be the lower seed, assuming it would be hard to really predict. But 
Eagles Lions is a very winnable game for the Eagles if if they're 100% right. Eagles Cowboys is obviously a, a very winnable game there. I think that there's a lot of different ways that you could see the Eagles and uh and if they win this game, watch out. That's the, that's kind of the only thing I want to say, but the again, all things considered, I think the Bucks win this game. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you and I think the reason we're calling it an underrated collapse is because, you know, the collapse hasn't you know, it hasn't fully commenced yet. With that, that might happen this Sunday, and then we'll talk about the Eagles. And I don't think it'll be that underrated because, I mean, Nick Sirianni is probably the most hated head coach in the league. I think people are going to be excited to uh, make fun of the Eagles. Uh, we did see A.J. Brown not in practice today. He did just get hurt. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he probably wasn't going to play this week anyway. But he deactivated his Twitter. That's fine. Maybe that's a tuning out the noise kind of thing. But he also wiped his, you know, he did the the quintessential, uh, in, you know, angry athlete thing and wiped anything Eagles from his Instagram. But, you know, I guess that's neither here nor there since I, I guess he wasn't going to play this week. It does feel like the Bucks are going to win this game, and it does feel like something's incredibly wrong with Philadelphia, and they haven't impressed me in forever. And I can't think of anything they do well beside, right now besides a play that the league might ban next year. So I, I think the Eagles are in trouble, yeah. And I, yeah. I, don't, I don't, they don't feel like a team to me that I think can just put it together. Like, oh, I trust them to figure it out. It's the playoffs now. It's crunch time. Kind of like we said about the Chiefs last year. That ain't the Eagles this year. I, I think they're in a world of trouble, and I, I think I'm also on Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, and kind of getting to Tampa Bay a little bit. They, they end the season very hot. They went for their last five. And I think that, you know, Baker Mayfield in a spot like this where, I mean, he's the ultimate kind of, I guess, comeback story, we'll say, where – people thought he might not even be in the league at this point he's now playing the eagles in a home playoff game forget who they had to beat forget their division i i think baker's gonna have a, a chip on his shoulder this game and it would be it would be a great feeling for Baker. i'm not and i don't even think that the bucks are even a better team than the eagles i just think there's so much wrong with the eagles that yeah the, the bucks now it's just you know they might not again they're, they're not as good but I don't necessarily think the the best team always wins these games more so than just the hottest team or the not coldest team, which arguably Eagles are probably the, one of the coldest teams in the entire league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're they're definitely the coldest team coming into the playoffs. If yeah, yeah, exactly. Cold. Yeah. So uh, it de- definitely interesting there. It's I just hope it's a good slate. I mean, I lo- I like the fact that they have it spread out through three days. Uh, you know, the two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday. I, I like that. I think that it just makes the whole weekend a huge ordeal, I guess you can say, versus, you know, cramming them all into one day and maybe having two on at a time or even like two Monday night football games or something ridiculous like that. Um, I, I like that they all have their own window. The only thing I'll complain about that's kind of pseudo football related, I can't believe that the Dolphins Chiefs is only on Peacock. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I, I mean, the fact that it's now, tr- you know, trickled into playoff games and things like that, I mean, this is like just really something that we're going to have to get used to. And, you know, if, if you have grandparents that are big sports fans, I mean, help them out because this is the way it's going and it's not going to change and there's going to be a lot of subscriptions made and things like that uh, just to be able to watch our games. So, yeah, and it's uh, it, it it's kind of disappointing that, I guess, you know, from the Peacock business perspective, props to them for getting an absolute monster of a game in the Chiefs and the Dolphins. But, I mean, the NFL is is going to give up the the national air coverage of Patrick Mahomes, really? Like, he's like the – he. Well, what if, I guess – so that's an NBC game, and Peacock is uh, NBC's streaming provider. So I wonder how NBC – like, I don't really know the ins and outs of all this. But, like, how does NBC go and say, well, this game is actually going to be exclusive to our growing streaming service and you're not going to get all those ratings on national TV and all that? Uh, I'm not really sure how it works. But, yeah, it it is crazy that it's now found its way to playoff games. I mean, could you imagine having to watch, like, you know, game three of the World Series on Peacock or something? It's just it's going to be a pain in the ass and it's something we probably have to get used to. Well, when when Steve Cohen buys out uh, SNY and makes it Steve Cohen SCNY, uh, you're going to have to pay for every individual Met game on there. So just break yeah, yourself. And then you'll be like, no, 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 it, don't worry. It's because we got we got Justin Verlander for you. Don't you remember? What do you think is paying yeah. for that? 
Didn't you enjoy watching Justin Verlander play? Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy having one of the greatest pitchers ever get to wear the orange and blue? <laughs> and then and then ultimately play in the playoffs is not for us. Yes, for a different orange and blue. Yeah. The old one. And then did you not enjoy watching Max Scherzer in the World <laughs> Series? No. Did you not enjoy watching Max Scherzer pitch pretty well in April those two years? <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be the that's gonna be like the you know when uh they have like those car commercials where it's like, Are you looking for a car? It's gonna be Steve Cohen just saying that. Yeah, yeah. Did you not did you not enjoy us paying Pete Alonso for one year before he left? Yeah, like a straight up like I think you should leave sketch, like one of those yeah. infomercial ones. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I was talking about. The uh just like one of those. But yeah. Uh all right, well, uh, anything else you wanted to add on to cuz we're we're we've we've covered a lot here. It's a long one. Yeah, I don't think so. I think I'm good. Uh everyone enjoy the football. I know I will. And uh you know, sayonara till next week. Yeah, and uh, good luck if you, if you wager on any of our uh, topics or any of our leans here or any of our picks. Good luck there. Uh, enjoy a week with no local football. We'll actually get to see a whole slate of good games, hopefully an, an actual real modern football versus whatever the hell the Giants and Jets put on. So enjoy that. Uh, thank you all for listening, and as always, peace out.